You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Sowing the seeds of cannabis and sounding the praise of our favorite plants, it's time to Hemp Resent. Our radio resident Hempo Sapien, Vivian McPeak, will present a weekly platform for guests and listeners to Hemp Resent about hemp and cannabis from the legal, activist, and reformist route. Let's round up and roll it up for our headmaster of hemp, Vivian McPeak. Welcome to Hemp Present, where we fight Prohibition's Judge Judy brand of justice one week at a time, titillating your audio orifices with a treasure trove of trivia about the tenacious cannabis plant. Let's toke it to the limit one more time. I'm your host, Vivian McPeak, and I am an imbiber of the fiber, but you can call me Grandmaster Stash. I am the executive director of the world's largest annual cannabis policy reform event, the Seattle Hemp Fest, in its 24th year, found at hempfest.org. I am also the author of the book, Protestable, a 20-year retrospective of Seattle Hemp Fest from AHA Publishing. Transmitting from a fortified bunker under a ramshackle reefer radio warren at an undisclosed location deep within the seething bowels of underground Seattle, my goal is to spread the green flame of 420 truth. It would be impossible to calculate how much injustice has been meted out to Americans by the many decades of cannabis prohibition. So many good, gentle, non-threatening, and often otherwise decent and law-abiding cannabis users have been wrongly criminalized in the last seven years or so because they had or sold or grew some pot. Americans have been profiled, we've been targeted, and we've been persecuted over a relatively benign and therapeutic substance that I believe has not certifiably killed anyone from an overdose or toxic reaction in five to 10,000 years of human consumption. Too many good people have had their doors bashed in and their homes invaded by riot gear-clad stormtroopers who've swooped in, sometimes shooting the family dog right in its tracks, only to pull some poor sod naked out of bed to get a boot on their neck and a laser bead on their chest. Some folks have had the doors to their cupboards torn off the hinges, and knives taken to the upholstery of their furniture. Some of the unlucky ones 
unlucky enough to be holding a TV remote or shiny object in their hands have even been shot and killed where they stood. Americans have had their cars, homes, and bank accounts seized. They've had their families torn apart. And many children have had one or both parents incarcerated with sentences in excess of those that violent criminals have sometimes received. Things are changing, albeit slowly. And while the specter of prohibition has been a policy of inherent injustice and often employed with tremendous racial disparities, there are some legitimate issues and concerns about pot use that have been hard to address in the hysteria that has surrounded the nefarious green leafy herb. My guest today, Mitch Earlywine, Ph.D., will touch on some of those issues in just a few minutes. But first I want to address a weekly component of the show, my word of the week. And this week's word is legalization. <laughs> legalization is a word that I've used ever since I took my first toke at a Grand Funk Railroad concert in Los Angeles in 1971. It always seems so simple. We'd legalize pot, and nobody would go to jail over it anymore. I was naive. Legalization means very different things to different people. To some, it means a mountain of regulations. To some, it means the Medical Marijuana Enforcement Division or the Liquor and Marijuana Control Board. To some folks, it means top-heavy restrictions and regulations. And to some, it means reasonable regulations and some that are just plain crazy. To some legislatures, legalization means little more than tax revenues and treating cannabis like it's Oxycontin. I think we might need a new word, because if what I see in my state of Washington is legalization, well, frankly, I've been using the wrong word for a while. A man who has a lot of the right words is my guest today, so I would like to welcome Mitch Earlywine, Ph.D. of Cannabis Radio's own Burning Issues show and professor of psychology at the State University of New York at Albany. Mitch, how are you, my brother? Oh, pleasure to be on the show. Thanks so much for having me. I'm just returning the favor. You had me on your awesome show uh, a few weeks ago, and it's always a pleasure to talk to you, my bro. Hey, delightful. So it's unusual, Mitch, to see an academic such as yourself so very high profile in his advocacy for cannabis reform. What is your connection to cannabis, and what inspired you to be such an advocate? Oh, it's a curious story. I taught at the University of Southern California for 14 years, and I had a drugs and human behavior class there. At the time, I was an alcohol researcher and thought the students would be really interested in alcohol and really prepared the course with that in mind. As soon as I got in the room, they said, oh, we really want to know about marijuana. I started digging through that literature and realized how misinformed we all had been and eventually ended up with the book Understanding Marijuana that Oxford University Press was nice enough to publish. And then I went back to the class and gave them all that. And by then, ecstasy had hit Los Angeles, and they were more interested in that. But <laughs> with, with the book out, the Office of National Drug Control Policy said I was Satan. And I got a call from the National Organization Reform for Marijuana Laws asking me if I could be their helper. And it's uh, all been basically history since then. So the National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Laws that most people know from the acronym NORMAL, tell us about your work with NORMAL. And tell us a little bit about Normal. Normal is a delightful organization that's been around since the 70s and really done a lot of work both behind the scenes and right up front working to change cannabis laws so that basically no one ends up going to jail for owning a plant. A number of folks who've had legal problems have been able to contact them and a whole universe of lawyers who are willing to help them out in defense. 
and also we you know do the best we can trying to make sure that things get funded so we can have as many options on the ballot to make sure that basically laws that really don't make any sense don't stay on the books. And of course, for the benefit of our listeners, you can find out more about Normal, which is spelled N-O-R-M-L, at normal.org. And of course, founder of Normal, Keith Strop, and the executive director, Alan St. Pierre, have been repeated guests at Seattle Hemp Fest. It's always been our honor and our pleasure to work with those guys. Mitch, we've seen reports about a link between cannabis and mental illness, particularly schizophrenia. Is there a substantial link between the two? And if so, has it been exaggerated by some or is it a real concern? There really isn't much of a link. And I shudder to think about this, but basically some some of the first publications about this go back to 1894. And people have been trying to say that cannabis somehow causes mental illness and the data really don't hold up. When you start looking closely, especially with schizophrenia, it's such a rare disorder that it's hard to do that research. So then they got a little fast and loose and said, well, let's look at psychotic disorders more generally. So recently there were five different studies saying cannabis is linked to psychotic more generally stuff. And I looked at the way that was measured. It's a questionnaire developed by my friend Adrian Rain, who's now at the University of Pennsylvania. I showed that basically through some wonky math that the items are actually biased against us cannabis users. So one of the items that I know you would actually answer as if you were psychotic, Viv, is I use words in strange and unusual ways. Well, <laughs> what a surprise. Of course, we anybody who's kicked back with the chronic at 420 is going to endorse that item. And when I took that item out, in fact, the link between cannabis use and schizotypal personality disorder disappeared. And I feel like it's consistent things like that. There is one study where folks who had this double whammy genetically and who used cannabis really heavy early in life, which of course we don't recommend, did end up being more likely to use, uh, end up with a psychotic diagnosis. But when I broke it all down and looked at the percentages, there were really only seven people in that group. And the idea that somebody's going to have to go to jail for that just breaks my heart. And of course, the only truth to that suggestion is that cannabis certainly drives our government completely crazy. I got it. Symptoms are there. <laughs> Not long ago, there was a news story about a man who ate some pot brownies and jumped off a balcony to his death. And then, you know, last week, Sandra Bland was laid to, to rest, who apparently took her life while incarcerated for a driving violation. They're trying to make a connection with her and cannabis. What's the data tell us about pot and suicide? I mean, the bottom line is there's a subset of folks who may be trying to self-medicate their depression with cannabis, and so they may have had some pre-existing suicidal gestures or thoughts, but cannabis does not cause suicidality. It's just not there, and I weep over these deaths, and anybody who's you know trying to struggle with depression or suicide, the 1-800-SUICIDE hotline is there for folks, and they've saved literally thousands of lives. And I encourage folks who are you know, struggling with depression to check out my homies at abct.org, the Association for Behavioral and Cognitive Therapies. I'm happy to elaborate on the mental illness data if you'd like. Yeah, why don't you? So it's curious because going back to the 1800s, we thought, oh, cannabis must be linked to some kind of crazy symptoms, in part because folks are self-medicating or People tend to remember the people who use cannabis and have mental disorders, but they forget the millions of people who use cannabis without negative consequences. And we've seen this in the stereotype literature more, more commonly where when we meet somebody who fits our stereotype, we remember that. When we meet somebody who defies it, we tend to forget. When I was at my snotty private high school with George Bush's cousin Scott, 
I happen to be a Jew on food stamps. Nobody could remember both those facts at the same time. It was like, oh, Jews are supposed to be rich, so this couldn't possibly be the case. And it's funny how when we meet somebody who's counter to our stereotypes, we tend to have a problem remembering that example. And so I encourage us to you know, challenge our stereotypes in all domains and remember the folks who defy them as much as the folks who fit. Sounds like you just founded a new organization, Jews on Food Stamps, Mitch. (laughs) (laughs) I have to get that going. As I like to say, we're about to take a pause for the cause because there are flaws in the laws. We'll be right back. We're going to go full steam ahead with a full head of steam with Dr. Mitch Earlywine on Cannabis Radio. We'll be right back. Time to roll out for the people that let us hemp present. Hang loose. We're coming right back. Gondrepreneur.com, your guide to the cannabis business world. Gondrepreneur.com is a comprehensive resource for cannabis professionals and entrepreneurs. Download the Gondrepreneur app on your smartphone or tablet to catch up on cannabis industry news, scroll through our daily job listings, and learn about successful cannabis companies, executives, and investors. Gondrepreneur.com, helping Gondrepreneurs grow. Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. Chronicling the latest cannabis industry news and headlines. Well, with four states with tax and regulate and the District of Columbia. The state of cannabis. Oh, my God, it's refreshing. We have people that generally wouldn't speak on behalf of cannabis for fear of retribution, fear of losing your practices, fear of of many of those things, and and find ourselves in a a place that we finally can. Bringing you fact-based news and views and keeping listeners on the pulse of what's happening in the industry today. The State of Cannabis. On demand anytime, only on CannabisRadio.com. to Hemp Presents, only on Cannabis Radio. Now, back to our headstrong emperor of hemp, Vivian McPeak. And we are back on Hemp Present on Cannabis Radio. I'm here with Dr. Mitch Earlywine, and we're talking up a storm. Mitch, of course, is with Burning Issues, also on Cannabis Radio. Mitch, there are healthier ways to ingest cannabis than smoking it. Can you tell us a little bit about your research on the vaporization technique? I'd be delighted. The bottom line here is inhaling a a burning plant is just not what our lungs evolved to do. And so you do see a lot of respiratory irritation. I want to mention that the links between cannabis and lung cancer really don't hold up. But we do see these bronchitis type symptoms, coughing, wheezing, tightness in the chest. And I think a lot of cannabis users have these but don't often put it together with their smoking. So I was grateful to get enough funding to basically give a dozen people vaporizers and have them switch from smoking for a month. And what we saw was, in fact, all those symptoms tended to improve, and we saw the amount of air that they could actually blow out of their lungs or hold in their lungs increased, and how fast you could blow air out in one second also improved. 
So switching to the vaporizer really seems to be worth it. And this is the one negative consequence of cannabis that I do think is well documented, but is easily sidestepped. So I encourage vaporization whenever you get the chance. So is it true that the, the real health concerns is hot air and soot from smoking? In fact, the heat is a big issue, which was part of why the vaporizers that seem to separate that heating element from the administration are always a big hit. So those ones that have the big turkey bag seem to do well. And then it is literally soot. It's funny, but you don't think about it. You're inhaling ashes. Of course, that's not going to be so great. And the vaporization process tends to get the cannabinoids to boil off in a fine mist without actually igniting the plant. I find that cannabis fans have a hard time throwing that stuff away, even though there's really not much THC left. And by all means, if you want to put a few grams into a stick of butter and let it sit for 20 minutes and melt a little bit, maybe you'll get a little extra THC out. But I assure you, you're getting the crux of it and that vaporization is really the, the wave of the future. Dr. Mitch, I believe that people can develop a psychological dependency on using cannabis, but that it's not really physically addictive such as alcohol, tobacco, and opiates. Am I correct in that assumption? I think when you think about most people's definition of physical dependence, cannabis really doesn't quite fit. We looked literally for five millennia trying to find the the withdrawal syndrome from cannabis. I ribbed these researchers, but they did come up with withdrawal scale, but it's items like loss of appetite. I mean, are you kidding me? This is the plant <laughs> that's uh, the legendary appetite improver, and so what a surprise. Yeah, you don't have as much appetite when you, when you go off. Some folks do report some mild irritability, and so that's what's qualifying as withdrawal, and that was usually the hallmark of physical dependence. But if you tell a heroin addict you're physically dependent on cannabis, you're probably going to get a kick to the crotch. This is just not the symptoms that we usually see when we look at physical dependence. And the bottom line is I think that word has somehow sparked some delusional thinking in people and become some kind of justification. But again, we don't throw people in jail for having a health problem. We want to make sure that we're making sure people are well cared for, not punished for something that's really no big deal. Dr. Mitch, in your opinion, what are a few of the most enduring and inaccurate myths, even though we've covered a few, what are the most enduring myths that have been spread about cannabis and its use that we can debunk right here? It's funny, Viv, because the gateway thing just never seems to die, and it's actually part of a human error in causal reasoning. We all tend to get sucked into this idea if something came first and something came second, the thing that came first is the cause of the thing that came second. And you'll see magicians play off this, or you'll see, I had a friend who was really big who would run over to his a friend of mine who was really little and jump and then the little guy would do a flip as if he caused it of course he didn't cause it and i think we get caught up in this idea that because it came first therefore it was caused lots and lots of folks literally millions use cannabis and never use hard drugs a small subset of people happen to use cannabis and then use hard drugs and they end up in these studies and create this kind of illusion that this is some kind of gateway The other thing that never happens in this research literature is tons and tons of people, particularly those unfortunate enough to live in crack neighborhoods, end up using hard drugs before cannabis, and they're often tossed out of these data sets because they don't fit the model. So this idea that cannabis somehow puts you at risk for using hard drugs needs to be disputed because the data just don't fit. When we try this in the lab with animals, it's 
really artificial settings. Rodents don't even like cannabis, so it's hard to get them to do THC and do more THC. And they'll get this to happen with squirrel monkeys, but it's just the most inhumane, horrible arrangement where the poor monkeys have nothing else to do but cocaine or something like that. And yeah, those who use cannabis first might end up being more likely, but it's such an artificial setting that we just can't generalize from that. So I feel like far and away, the gateway is the first myth I would want to dispute. And of course, if we can get prohibition out of the way, we might find out that cannabis is the gateway to economic recovery for our ailing uh, economy. (laughs) Well, and in fact, when we look at Craig Raderman has these data looking at Amsterdam and comparing it to San Francisco. And Amsterdam has a legal cannabis market, or relatively legal, right? And those folks are much less likely to go on to hard drugs, in part because they're not exposed to this underground market that has access to it. Whereas in San Francisco, those who would use cannabis were much more likely to use cocaine, heroin, and the opiates, simply because in order to get their cannabis, they got exposed to those kinds of drugs. Well, Mitch, speaking of other countries and their policies, the Israeli medical community has been treating Alzheimer's, dementia, and other age-related diseases with cannabis. Do you know anything about the results of those experiments? This is a curious literature that goes basically from the cellular to the societal. I feel like it's got a lot of implications because, as as we all know, our our country is really aging. Our population is uh, primarily going to be aged relatively soon. We're definitely seeing improvements in behavior in folks who already have Alzheimer's diagnosed in that they're much less irritable, they eat better so they have the chance to live longer, and they're less disruptive and, oddly enough, seem less disoriented if they can have access to some cannabis. We've also seen really delightful data on how the opportunity for neurons to be preserved by cannabinoids seems to be working at the Petri dish and animal level. And as you see you know i never want to argue from a couple of cases but you know you know irv you know lv you see these people who are long-term users and they don't seem to have some of those ball memory and cognitive problems that a lot of other folks seem to get as they age and it's fitting the model that basically neurotoxins are battled by cannabidiol and that uh, essentially our neurons really appreciate these antioxidants that are in the plant you know something's odd when you see these Israeli octogenar- octogenarians wearing berets, smoking cloves, and listening to Bauhaus, you know? <laughs> exactly. I'm looking forward to, to that edge, edge of life myself. <laughs> Is there a general age that parents should talk to their children about pot, or does it depend upon the child and the circumstances? I have a book out this that I'm, I'm grateful to High Times for publishing called The Parent's Guide to Marijuana. And I just want to emphasize that this is really a subset of the big relationship each parent can have with children about health more generally. And so I feel like any age is a good age because it's part of a bigger conversation about health. So invariably something's going to show up on the radio, something on TV, they'll hear something at school, and it's an opportunity to open this up. And what we're getting from the data is the later you wait, the less likely you are to have any of these problematic aspects of use And it does look like, at least from a couple of studies, there's a chance for the white and gray matter ratio in the brain to get fully developed without any, basically, interruption if you tend to wait later in life. So the bottom line, too, is here's a chance for parents to say, I'm eager for you to excel in the world. I want you to be healthy. 
I think there will be a time in your life where cannabis would be appropriate. It's just not yet. And let's talk about other recreational things you can do and things I want you to eat, other green plants I want you to be exposed to. <laughs> let's, you know, let's make sure that we have that. And then suddenly you're part of a conversation. What never seems to work is that finger-wagging, this is not for you, this is inherently evil, because they know that's not true. They invariably have friends who have already tried and aren't heroin addicts, for example, or who don't seem to show any cognitive deficits. And it's a chance to really be candid and honest, and it lays a groundwork for other aspects of difficult discussions like sex, HIV, all these other, other health issues that are bound to come up as, as we're raising our children. Well, what about teens who start pot very early? Uh, are the, what are the dangers of that kind of use? What we tend to see is, unfortunately, they disengage at school, often end up hanging out with the other kids who are disengaging at school, and it can spiral downwards so you don't finish high school. Not finishing high school is a big, big loss. Because in truth, if you don't make it all the way to 12th grade, you might as well have dropped out in second when you look at what jobs you're qualified for. So I really emphasize to teens if you wait until later, things are bound to go better. I'm sure you tried it. I'm sure you liked it. But let's keep that to a minimum in part because I want to see your brain develop fully so you can then go out, use regularly with impunity, and help us change the laws. We are talking to Dr. Mitch Earlywine from Burning Issues on Cannabis Radio here. We're going to take a short break, listen to a message from our sponsors, and we will be right back with one or two more questions for Mitch. And so stay with us on Cannabis Radio. Time to roll out for the people that let us have present. Hang loose. We're coming right back. Your connection to quality cannabis insurance services is spelled K-A-E-R-C-H-E-R. That's Karcher Insurance. We have worked with ventures like cannabis for over 60 years. We're proud to represent over 50 companies with tailor-made cannabis plans for owners just like you to insure your product, your plants, and your pursuits. K-A-E-R-C-H-E-R spells out their full-service insurance services, ranging from commercial to bonds, to personal, from life to health, and more. Contact the team at CarterInsurance.com and let our experience work for you. That's K-A-E-R-C-H-E-R Insurance.com. Contact Karen and the team at Carter Insurance at 1-844-421-3560. That's 844-421-3560. InternetMarketingNinjas.com is the online dojo of the highly trained and skilled Internet Marketing Ninjas. Disavow documents, reconsideration requests, Panda and Penguin penalties. Let our superior SEO ninjas confront all of your link-related issues. The Internet Marketing Ninjas are equipped to master any marketing exercise, content creation, authorship, link building, PPC, and more. Plus, build more buzz for your brand with our social media marketing strategy. Discover all that the Internet Marketing Ninjas can do for you. Visit the online dojo now at InternetMarketingNinjas.com. Cannabis Confidential with Dr. Dina. Candid. I want to give you the inside story. Captivating. I want to introduce you to my kind and amazingly talented friends. Compelling. We get to meet some of the most amazing cannabis activists and warriors around. 
Listen in as medical marijuana pioneer, Dr. Dina, shares never-before-heard stories, chats with cannabis insiders and celebrity friends, and provides invaluable perspective and insight into one of the fastest-growing industries in the world. I want to share with you what was once confidential information. Let's expose the truth, discuss the issues, and learn the facts. Cannabis Confidential, only on CannabisRadio.com. We're back to Hemp Presents, only on Cannabis Radio. Now, back to our headstrong emperor of hemp, Vivian McPeak. And we are back on Hemp Present on Cannabis Radio. I'm here with Dr. Mitch Earlywine, author of Mind-Altering Drugs and Understanding Marijuana. Mitch, we all know that, that there's a lot of information that's come about medical marijuana and how you can treat a variety of symptoms and ailments using you know, medical-grade cannabis. What does that say about preventive medicine? Does, does, does cannabis play a role in preventive medicine? Should people look at their recreational use as having some kind of a medical benefit potentially? The research is still early as far as this goes, but the antioxidants in general seem to be potentially helpful for the aging process, for general handling of stress, and for general just how we make new cells and keep our cells going well. I think the key is to have a multifaceted approach so you're eating right, you're exercising well, you have a meditation or relaxation program you stick to, and then cannabis can fit in with that whole schedule. The idea that cannabis alone is going to be your savior is probably not a great idea, but it can definitely be part of a healthy lifestyle. Uh, Mitch, how can people find out more about your books uh, and your work and the wonders of marijuana cannabis plant. Is there some place that people can go to resource that information? I'd be delighted if folks would look up Understanding Marijuana at the Oxford University Press website. It's uh, oup-usa.org or, you know, their local bookstore. I love the brick-and-mortar bookstores and I sure hope they stay open. If you're pressed for time and have to go, by all means, Amazon still has it. It's Understanding Marijuana and it's got the big five-leafer on the front. You'll know it if you see it. Thank you, Dr. Mitch Earlywine. You know, you are such a tracer trove of information. Uh, uh, you're an awesome guy. I've really enjoyed the few times that I've met you. You know, we, we shared a panel at a normal conference several years ago, and it was very enlightening. Thanks so much for being on Hemp Present on Cannabis Radio, and I'll make sure that everybody knows about your awesome show, uh, Burning Issues, right here on Cannabis Radio as well. But it's uh, thank you so much for being on my show, bro. I really appreciate it. My hearty thanks to you, Viv, and all you do, man. Now I want to get to another weekly feature of Hemp Present on CannabisRadio.com, and that is the quote of the week. This one comes from the founding father himself, Jorge Washington, and it goes like this. Liberty, when it begins to take root, is a plant of rapid growth. And we all know that this movement is experiencing some rapid growth as well. Uh, That pretty much concludes this installment of Hemp Present on Cannabis Radio. Join me next week for my guest doctor of naturopathy and cannabis expert Michelle Sexton because when it comes to prohibition you have the right not to remain silent activism requires a voice so speak up for justice because all prohibition is is more baloney for your prohibition sandwich see you next week freedom fighter
The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.